All right, good evening, everyone. Uh, Paul, and uh, I like this always new people because really it's just an introductory offer. And really, what we're offering is the possibility that you're the product you're looking for. It's just how you're looking is what's causing it to seem to be distant and foreign and unavailable. And no matter how much effort you make, it will be overridden by how you're looking for it. Because if you are that which you're looking for, then looking for it wouldn't be the approach, would it? If you were that or are that which we're looking for, then looking for it wouldn't work. Like if you wanted to get a good meal in L.A., looking for it would work, yes? If you wanted to get some shirts or some pants, then that looking for them would work. But this topic is what we are. So all of those ways we move towards things, to get things and have things, doesn't work when it comes to what you are. You can't move out of what you are to make it an object to what you're not. Though we live as if that's so. We live an interpretation that what we are is the subject, and then what we, or what we're not is the subject, and then what we are becomes objectified, and we start looking for it. So we call it the truth, or enlightenment, or the void. But it sounds like when we say the word the void, it was located somewhere, like in Nebraska, you know, mm-hmm. the void. But because as long as we take ourselves to be the subjectivity, then everything else gets objectified. And that's how what we are is hidden in clear, you know, clear sight. We're just mistaking. It's a, it's a mistake, in a sense, that never could happen. So it's easily corrected. That's the good news. It's not like you have to uh, take tons of bricks out of a wall. There is no wall. It's only... The, the curtain is only seemingly so. The divide is only seemingly so. It appears to us as if there's a divide, but that doesn't mean there's a divide. It's almost like an hallucination that we're living under. Because we're looking for what's looking, and that's why we're never going to be successful. But in self-centeredness, all the unsuccess is always turned on ourselves, and we get to be blamed. Never seeing that the formula may be off, we think if we only would have done enough. It was like I did a talk once in a... Lincoln, Massachusetts, and so one of the people there said he had been at a group and they were talking about this big event could happen to you, you know, you'll feel it if you stand in this posture for 16 minutes, yeah, so he was trying to stand but he couldn't hold it and so he had to give up around 14 minutes, so he asked me what I, what he should have done, I said you should have stood for 17 minutes, yeah, this is what happens, you you expect if it doesn't work, if you did more, it's going to work. But you can't apply more to this. That's the whole point. And the greatest spiritual advice or warning, they're just telling you, you know, they're just just trying to make, and it's so cryptic, it's one sentence is the greatest scripture, scripture of all time, because what's looking is what you're looking for. End of story. But how the mental state, and I'm talking about the thought system, the perceptions, the memories, that mental state, those mental processes, 
are constantly implying that we're something all day, that we're a thing, that we're a long-lasting, independent, separate thing. And in that condition, that long-lasting, independent, separate thing can get to be unhappy, and, and maybe the last, block, the last house on the block of searching will be spirituality, but the same format will go into the spiritual temple as it would into the whorehouse. It's the same thing. There's going to be a feeling that you're going in there to get something. And that's why it never freaking works. You cannot find what's looking. You can only be what's looking. You can't know what's looking. You can only be what's looking. You can't have what's looking, you can only be what's looking. Like Ramana Maharshi, a great master, says, to know God is to be God. Very, very fast. There isn't, to know God is going to be this long, drawn-out affair, and then you'll become a knower of God, then you'll become a good knower of God, then a great knower of God, and then the greatest knower of God, but you'll still be separate from what you are, because you're being it. That's why it escapes us. Because it ta- every time it says in neuroscience, the observation distorts the observed. Yes. So as soon as we look at anything, we've given it a meaning. And we hide it by the meaning we give it. So basically, everything gets neutered on delivery when we receive it. And a lot of people, this happened to us the last time we were there, and my friend Kyle was the guy at the door, and then... A lot of people come up to Kyle and saying, hey, everything this guy says goes over my head. Yeah. And so Kyle came up to me after the meeting and asked me about that. And I said, well, that's the direction we're aiming. We're aiming over your head. Because it's been so many times you have talked to a you about mind, and it goes no freaking way. We want to talk to mind about you. <laughs> we want to throw that big M mind and let mind entertain the possibility it's not that. Not you entertain the possibility you're not that. Because when you are entertaining the possibility of not being this, that's not being what you are. Yeah, you self cannot get out of self. So the ball is being thrown. But we've learned that this... Uh, you ever see the Buddha with a thousand arms? Well, let's put a mitt on each one. That's like the mental state. The mental state has got a thousand mitts, and every message that's thrown, it catches it. Yeah? It's like the Death Star, you know, in Star Wars. They're shooting down all the pilots, fighters, boom, 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 boom. I mean, every message is never going to get through. But the beautiful news, if you exhaust the system, if you throw so much out there, just it's like spiritual sperm, in a sense, you know. Now, I mean, spiritual sperm have one imperative. They're trying to find that egg. And when that egg is hit, something is conceived, yeah? So this is like spiritual sperm. There's thousands of messages thrown out there. Then one may just get through, and all it takes is one to hit the egg of bigger mind, and then the mind conceives something. An idea, finally, I'm not that. I'm not that. And then the sex pops, it's like a twin comes out. The second baby of, of idea comes out. I can be free from it. And then you're on to something. See, now the desire or the longing or the, or the search is directed correctly. Instead of looking this way, you look this way. 
And as Ramana Maharshi would say, you just ask a simple question. Let's say you're worrying about next week. There's no opinion about next week or the worrying. You just ask, who is it that's worrying about next week? And then suddenly the attention, instead of being enslaved and directed by the self-centeredness, which is always outward, always looking for something, and even when it seemingly comes in, it comes in here, and this is out. The body is a thing. This isn't in. This is out. The brain is out. So when all the interest attention is being thrown out this way, and it comes back to what's out, that's not it. If something else could possibly, let's say mind or spirit, direct your interest and attention, it would go out as it goes out. But when it comes back, it wouldn't stop at this little billboard with your little happy face. It would go back into its source, and going into the source, you would have the true breath of the universe, in a sense. It would go out and go in. Not out, 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 but out, in, out, in. And what happens is when the interest and attention goes this way, all the way, and this is its source, all here, yeah, goes in. When it comes back, it sprinkles a little of this little angel dust on you. And it goes out and out. And then you start sensing the presence, yeah, of the ofness. Not the dryness of always searching in the inness, as Jesus said, supposedly. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. Allow the attention and interest to bring what we're of in, instead of constantly being suffocated in this loop of self-importance of in, 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 in. Let it go to the of and bring a little of that here, because that's what we're looking for. That's what allows us to travel lighter, is a little bit of the ugness that we are. Because we're dying somewhat in this inness. It's freaking dry. We're constantly being moved since we left the tit of the mother we have been seeking constantly. It's just a simple, and the beautiful thing is, it never actually happened. It can only appear to be so to you and me. If you follow all of the roads, they go back to you. Right there, that's right here, seeing out of these eyes, is the reality. And we're lending reality by being identified as a thing to other things. Small, tiny things like thoughts, big things like elephants. Yeah? But we're lending we're lending reality to things. In other words, we're saying this is real, and yet this isn't. Thingness, it's substantial, it's solid, it's rock hard. That's what we think means something in this world, and the language supports it. You know, spaciousness is airy, fairy, ethereal, nothing goes, no substance, but it's the reality. This is the context of us. Our attention and interest has been wedded to just what's the content. And therefore, it doesn't sense the context which it is of. It's a different feeling when you're being, when the interest and attention that we are is being directed by the mental state and by, or by, directed by the spirit. It's totally different. The sense of it is totally different. This is an ease and comfort. This is an anxiety based on I'm going to lose what I have or not get what I want. Constantly. On and on and on and on and on. It's like slavery. And the slavery, the whip of the slavery is the thought system. 
The thought system is not of that, it's in time. Every thought is drenched in time. The sense of okayness has now been, become a goal in the future, I will be okay, or a past recollection, I was once okay. Everything gets displaced. Everything, like we have a story in AA, one of the, someone's like a testimonial, and a person who had a very difficult time with alcohol finally gets sober, and then he's just about to do something stupid. Yeah? And, it's, and, and the beginning of this whole stupid thing that's going to lead him to a drink starts like this. A thought occurred to me. That's it. <laughs> now the worst, the most incredible thing, a thought is occurring as us. And then we see all the other thoughts occurring to us. But a thought is occurring as us. You and I are a thought. We didn't have it when we were little kids. This grew when the mental state grew. It developed over time. When I was playing when I was young, I wasn't thinking, well, I'd be playing next week because I had no idea of time yet. And because I hadn't entertained the insane idea I could be out of the moment, I wasn't trying to be in the moment. <laughs> I wasn't looking up for meditation retreats when I was three or four. I wasn't walking around my house saying, my room's too small, I should be wearing gap clothes. I didn't see, if my, I thought, mom, you're way too overweight. No, I just loved everything. Something developed, we grew into a seemingly state, and therefore we can grow out of a seemingly state. And the growing out of the seemingly state is totally based on you were never in the seemingly state. Of what, you, there's no need to even grow out of it, you were never in it. That's the only solution that's worth its salt. You have to see, the whole freedom is prior to bondage, not after the fact. It's before the fact, and before the fact it ain't a fact. Before the fact, you're not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It's only through the identification itself that that becomes the new reference point. And from here, all meaning is given to there. And now, instead of having a sense of life is happening, we have a mental interpretation that it's happening to me. This lens that can be super wide and relaxed and incredibly all-seeing is now tunnel vision, and you're missing tons of possibilities. The possibility of enjoying peace of mind and knowing surrender, serenity and comprehending peace. All of the possibilities are of us. They're not something in here that we have to get. They are of us. It says it beautifully in AA. It says, enjoy peace of mind. Peace is of mind. Just like bondage of self, the bondage is of self. If you see you're not self, then there's no bondage. Instead of trying to constantly get out of bondage as a self, your true escape from bondage is you realize you were never in any bondage. That works. It doesn't lead to a second step. It's a finality. How many times do you need to escape from an imaginary place? None. You see it, and that's that. 
and every other condition, every other condition is always the highest point it can reach as it seemingly is so. It's appearing to be so to you and me. Yeah? In other words, we're the final arbiter. We're not the effects of circumstances and situations. We outshine circumstances and situations. We have the horse behind the cart. We're busy trying to achieve and acquire when this place is really a point, a place of expression. If you see a saint in the old books, and the saint did this and that and that and this and this and that, and then you build a, a plan or a path and try to do exactly what he did to arrive at where he is, but where he is, he was all his crazy behavior was expressing where he is. It wasn't a path to get where he is. It was an expression from where he was. You can't follow the same route because there isn't a route. You hear someone, you know, woke up in Walmart, you know, October 12th in aisle four under appliances. A, a toaster hit him in the head or her in the head around 10.35, and there was a full moon that night, whatever. And so, all right, you wait months after, all right, all the time, and then you go to Walmart, and you have your friend knock a toaster on your head. It's not going to produce the same effect. Because this isn't something to do. It's not produced. That's the good news. If it was produced, then we could do something to unproduce it. It's just the inherent condition. It's not really even that exciting. It isn't. You're just, you're just incessantly awake to being awake. If you want to experience this, this isn't really the message to entertain. Because you won't be here to enjoy this. Really. You're not invited to the party. That's the good news. That's what happens here. People want to get it. That's one of the greatest impediments of hearing this message. Because they're not hearing this message. Yeah? They want to get it. They want to be there to experience their own absence. It's a stubborn, very, very strong mental habit. I've seen people log so many of these meetings, yeah? And if they weren't civilized, they'd just be fucking attacking people with knives <laughs> because they just so much had it for 500 m meetings, you know? They haven't had any results. <laughs> They've read every book. They've listened to 14 hours of DVDs. And they are pissed. <laughs> they are really, really pissed. And they're going, when am I going to get it? And then you've you got a duck when you give them this answer. You're never going to get it. <laughs> because that's the truth. That's the dilemma. How could you get what you already are? It's immediate. There's no time involved in being what you are. Because there's no doing and having to get there. You're being what you are. It doesn't demonstrate any thought or effort, and it never will. 
It's not a heroic journey at all. It's no journey. You'll take a lot of journeys, but not looking for this. You'll be looking from it. It's just a simple correction to a mistake that never could possibly happen. Really. And satsangs like this are beautiful because they're repetition. You're just sending, because you just send the same message, the same message is one of the sperms going to get through. And if the mind hears this and starts entertaining I'm not that, you better believe it's going to see it. And if you're supposed to do something, you will. If you're not, you won't. You won't have that urge, you know, that sense of time that's pushing us all. Watch everyone driving. Everybody's behavior in behind the wheel is based in time. You know, if you have nowhere to go and you're driving the freeway, it's amazing. There seems to be no obstacle that day. But when you have a place to go and then, then you're on the same freeway, there's tons of obstacles. You've got to see, see some kind, something suspicious there. Yeah? <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to see your role in it. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, Tuesdays there's no obstacles. You know what I mean? It's because you're there and you have an intention and that's time. If you could feel it, it's almost like a dry current. Like if you're in the water, you can feel something hit you or move you, and you can see you're moving down the beach against seemingly your will. Yeah, so current. But there's a current. Time is just like that. It's constantly pushing us, pushing us. And the mental state can't seem to stop. It feel, it's like it's on one of those moving sidewalks at the airport. It sees something it's like, but it can't stop. It can't get off. You know, just keep on keeping on. The seeking isn't built to stop when you find something. It's like a dog. You'll sniff it, and it'll just keep on going. The seeking's never going to stop through seeking. It's going to stop when you realize you're not the seeker. That's where the rest lies. It isn't stopping in action. It's just realizing you're not the actor. Actions are going to come and go. Feelings are going to come and go. Thoughts are going to come and go. But they never have really, truly implied anything like being the doer, the thinker, the feeler. They're just thoughts, feelings, and actions. The mental state is what puts a tail on it and brands it and calls it its. To prove a point. To prove itself. It can't shed any light, so it, it, it grabs reflected light. Basically, it puts it, it. It's walking around like a moon, saying it's the sun. And it's not the actions that need to be changed. See if there's an actor. Yeah. If you're not the actor, there'll be no guilt and shame produced by any actions, because the actions don't produce the guilt and shame. The actor does. This is such a simple thing. It's not adding or subtracting. It's just seeing something that has never been so. An assumption never even has to be fought. It's just, it just has to be seen through. We were talking about it the other day. I had to go... Because there's a famous statement by Ramana Maharshi that's in a lot of his works, said in different ways, but it seems to be a central point. 
And that is that statement that there's a presupposing, and a supposing means assuming and stuff like that, a presupposing of a non-existent thing wanting to get salvation for the non-existent thing. That's the little conundrum, yes? So, we're calling a non-existent thing an existent thing, and then it makes tons of sense to try to find salvation for the existent thing. But if there's been a mistake, and it's a non-existent thing, it sounds absurd to try wanting to try to found, find salvation for a non-existent thing. You know? It sounds like you want to get some, you know, a hat for a dead person. You know, it's like a weird, why would I want to do that? <laughs> He's not having any trouble with the sun anymore. <laughs> but see, that presupposing a non-existent thing is an assumption. Yeah. So I remember I had this year, you know, in this fall, I go and talk some places. So I had to go to Toronto, and I had to do this North Carolina thing. So I was trying to set up the whole schedule because I have no secretary. <laughs> and uh, setting up the schedule. And I assumed I was supposed to be in North Carolina October 8th and 9th, you know. And I was very sure of this assumption. You know, I was, you know, very sure. With their, which actually, I was so sure I didn't need to investigate if it was actually true or not. And I had no factual evidence it was true. I just assumed it was. So I set up all these tickets, non-refundable tickets, and then I figure I'll go to Canada and I'll have two weeks before I got to go to North Carolina. I can rest at home. I don't want to be on the road for that long. So I go, okay. But then I go back to the, to the emails the people from North Carolina sent me after I bought all the tickets. And it's October 1st and 2nd. So I only had five days home and I had to rush to North Carolina. But the whole while... I have, the assumption was felt so so I wasn't investigating any further. I didn't look at the webs I didn't look at the emails or nothing. I just assumed I had to go in the eighth. But I was incredibly wrong. Well I would say this is what we're in, that kind of state. We're assuming something that isn't so. And everything gets based on that assumption as being so. And the only way it all makes sense is if that assumption is so, but it ain't. You're not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. You did not come, and you're not going to go. So the presupposing is even trickier, because the assumption also assumes that you're before everything else. So it's a presupposing. So when consciousness is noted by being conscious... The mental state says that consciousness implies I'm the one who's conscious. Yeah. And therefore the seeing now is being used to imply the seer. The hearing being used to imply the hearer. Yeah. The tasting, the taster. Yes, the doing, the doer. The thinking, the thinker. The feeling, the feeler. That's what it does. So it, it comes after conscious contact, which is the base of living. Yeah. This mental process, this mental idea of being a body, a self. And then it's presupposed to be before everything. That's why it's so frustrating, because you think if you were before the thoughts, and you were actually the thinker of the thoughts, that you would have some power over the thoughts. But it's always our daily experience that we don't seem to have much power over our thoughts. They seem to be quite unruly. They keep me up at three in the morning, four in the morning, stuff like that. It's like I can't call the dogs off. And it's very frustrating because the assumption is if I'm before it and I'm the doer of it, I must have some say in it. But we're not the doing of it. The idea of being the thinker is a thought. 
there's no substance. It's an assumption. And that assumption is constantly being reinforced by the mental state, the perceptions, and the memory banks. You're thought of as a body, you're remembered as a body, you perceive bodies, therefore you are a body. And then off it goes. Looking for salvation for a non-existent thing, or looking for a good tuna sandwich for the non-existent thing, or looking for that new shirt for the non-existent thing. It doesn't matter. Whatever topic you're involved with, it's the same formula. The same formula. It doesn't get an exemption if it's directed at spirituality. It's the same formula. And it's the formulation, it's the formula that so in a, in a certain way is what is defeating us. It's that, not that we haven't found the right way, or didn't do enough, or weren't purified enough. It's because of this formulation. Everything that happens is being used to imply the one it's happening to. So when you're meditating, all the meditating is being used to imply the meditator. All the pranaming is being used to imply the one who's pranaming. All the purifications are being used to imply the one who's getting purified. Yeah? The bondage of self thrives in all the settings. If you see it, it has a possibility of being seen not to be so, because it isn't so. It is purely an activity, a mental activity. It can never become so, it can only seem to be so to us. That's our role here. Like the great master Ramana said, there's one thing you can truly be, uh, truly be free of, is this idea of being a body. Remember I did a, in Canada, I, t- I tend to be uh, matched up with Kirtan. You ever hear of Kirtan? Spiritual hymns? <laughs> and so I remember I was at this one, and a lady opened up for the show, she sings, and everyone's feeling bliss and exultation. And because you're available, you feel it like immediately. So then it was my turn, so I walk up there and I said, well, here's the bad news. <laughs> 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 you should have left at the last song. <laughs> you probably would be much happier if you never heard this message. <laughs> I'm sure that you would be, that's for sure. <laughs> because the you introduces this idea is like when you see a desert tortoise and a coyote wants to eat it. Coyote tries to get it, and he can't get the freaking tortoise, and it gets it just splits. Yeah, it loses interest. You will lose interest in this message if you're looking for something out of it. You will. You have to realize all you're going to get is nothing. Yeah, people who know me for years, they can vouch for it. <laughs> they get in touch with me. Are you, are you sharing anything new? No. <laughs> Any intensives? No. Retreats? No. Same, same old nothing. Because I'll tell you humbly, if you really let nothing sit, you'll realize it's everything. Really. You will be what you are looking for. Not as an intellectual idea, as the standard bearer of your life. 
you will have a contentment or like they, Jesus supposedly said, the peace that passeth all understanding will be available. Yeah? Because not for you, but as you. That means wherever you are, whatever time you're at, at any place, it will always be available with no requirement necessary to meet it. Because you are. Yeah? That's reliability in a very unreliable place. You will be what you are looking for. And you will rest there. Your interest and attention, instead of constantly being focused, will be dispersed, and that's the sense of presence. The presence isn't a thing to focus on. It's almost like a mist. You'll sense it. You'll sense the presence. You will not sense it through concentration and focus. You, You sense it through disbursement. Yeah? Relaxedness. When the aperture opens up, it sense it sees space, so to speak. When it's really tunnel vision, it sees things. When it opens up, it sees things in space. The space becomes the dominant thing, and the things are what comes and goes. Instead of the things being the dominant thing and unnoticing the space. So the background of space will move up to the foreground, and the foreground of all your little things going on will move to the background, and it will be finally like the horse is in front of the car. Yes? Blue will be blue, red will be red, things will make sense to you. With no thought or effort, and no acquiring of knowledge. You will just have, you'll be in the I don't know, and you'll know what you need to know when you need to know it, and there'll be no stored knowledge. It's all very economical. The real, the really, it's the space of the knowledge which is the real knowledge. Knowledge will come through if there's a purpose to it, but it doesn't get cataloged or stored. It's just like a river, yes? And then the space becomes the dominant condition because it is the dominant condition. Yeah? And then you take your marching orders from there, and you usually not ask for much, to tell you the truth. Just holding the space of the situation you're in, being assured that you're in good hands, you have an immunity to the thoughts that constantly produce what's not happening, and you have the eyes to see very clearly it's not happening, and so there's no need for a response to it, just see it's not happening, and its influence diminishes. Yeah? These are not things you do, they're byproducts byproducts of mind being somewhat unfettered by the identity as a body. Yeah. It's going to start expressing just like the mental state's doing right now. It's going to be expressing. And its expression is much more inclusive. It's a win-win. Yeah. Much, much different than the directed focus of that laser beam of trying to get what you want and not lose what you have. It'll be available because you're present and you'll be of service because you're available. Yeah? Not doing service, though you will, you'll be of service. You'll be on call at all times because you're awake. And the fact is, it wasn't a yeoman heroic effort, it's the basic condition. Your consciousness is demonstrating it right now. You are seeing with no effort, you're hearing with no effort, unless your ears are bad. You're tasting, you're touching and smelling. And I'm telling you, does it ever run out? Did you spend all of your seeing 
too fast this week, and now you've got to be somewhat blind till you know Monday morning at eight. You get your new package. It isn't like consciousness is like uh, Chevron, and there's these uh, the big oil, you know, like whatever you call those things, the tough things, the uh, they put the oil in under the ground. What? No one even knows. All right. Well, whatever. You know the little conduit, right? From this giant thing of you know Chevron consciousness, and there's this little conduit, and we pay like a consciousness bill every month. You know, oh fuck, I'm late. Inertness days. Okay, I paid. <laughs> I'm on again. No, we're not separated from the source. We are the source. There's no thing, no one can cut the line between what we are and what we are. There's no one behind what's seen. We're it. It will never look like your head would think it would look like. Thank God. It's almost like dog shit awareness. It's no fucking big deal. You're just awake, incessantly on... And that's your condition, prior to all these conditions. It can outshine circumstances and situations, and it will, without much sweat. Just entertain some possibilities. See where they lead you. Like, I heard this message, and it was like an unspoken yes. And I knew, prior to all the knowing I had had, and my mind finally started to entertain the possibility. Read a few books to stoke it, went to a couple of meetings, and then it just went off and started entertaining, and it's never stopped. And it's become the last answer that day I heard it, because I haven't looked for any other answer. And that's a pretty freaking good answer. Yeah. It's constantly reverberating. I don't have to huff or puff or do anything. Yeah. So if you are, to me, the whole message is here. My humble seat assignment is really painting pictures of what we're not so that you can see it from what you are. Yeah? That's all the whole job is. You can't teach non-duality because it's you. You can teach about duality. You can teach about the false subject-object dilemma. Yeah? If you see the activities that produce the sense of self or the feeling of being a self, that self, that production, you will not buy anymore. I guess we're coming to an end soon. I always stop when the big money basket gets yeah. out. <laughs> We're going to do it six times. <laughs> I find people break down by the fourth. <laughs> but yeah, if you see it, the main movement of the selfing yeah, is claim. It claims. It doesn't have a life, so it claims a life. So that sense that maybe I like to use the word mind to represent, that sense that's there when there's a thought noticed, yeah, 
when there's a feeling, notice, when there's an action done, there's a feeling that you are the actor, you are the feeler, you are the thinker, that's the selfing. Yeah? That, that presupposing, that implying, that insinuating that there's someone behind it all or in front of it all, that's the selfing. Yeah? You can see it because you're not looking from it. It is an advertisement to that which is. It's attempting to imply to that which is that it's something other than what it is. And if the mind buys it, it can seemingly be so. It can't be so in eternity, because it can never fucking happen. But in this dreaming of time, it can seem to have happened for 80 years and 90 years. That's what's going on. How much, how hard could it be to defeat a seeming adversary? If you just saw it, it was seeming. How many swords and weapons and practices would you have to acquire if that adversary that seemed to be so daunting was recognized as seemingly so and basically projected from you? The fight would be over before it ever began. And we know it. Everyone in this room knows it. This is just a freaking charade, a pantomime. If you want, just listen to Zen Bitch Slap. You know, it works, I'm telling you. There's a master plan that I have no idea of, but over the years I've watched its little master planning, and it's incredible, really. Whatever is doing this is really incredible because it's using poison for the antidote. A simple invitation that never deviates from the theme, over and over and over again, offering you the same thing. Party, now, go. Right? You get it three days later, party, now, go. A year later, party, now, go. Yeah? After a while, it's going to get it. Yeah? You're going to see from what you are instead of looking from what you're not. And then the gig's up. And I have total faith in it because it's not based on you or me, it's based on mind. Yeah? mind when mind hears this message, it's over. When you hear the message, it will have to continue. When mind hears the message, it's a possibility it's going to be over. Yeah? And the mental state is still going to do its thing, but the investment will be very, very, very diminished. Yes? If someone's thoughts, if you had thoughts that were called someone else's, would you really sit down and think about Stanley and what happened to him five years ago, if your name's not Stanley, or you weren't a girlfriend of Stanley, or, you know, something? Would you ever go back that far to listen to thoughts about someone you're not in the world of not what's not happening. No. You would turn the channel in five seconds. Why is it we keep on listening to it because we think it's about us? It's all identification as a self. That's the glue. The feelings are being used to apply the glue by the mind. The thoughts are being used to apply the glue by the mind. The actions are being used to apply the, the glue by the mind, but the glue can never set. It can never bond no thing to thing, ever. It can only seem like it's happening. Yeah. 
Any questions? It's a somber night. It's this rain or something. I may just want to get out of here. I go to leave LA. <laughs> go home. No. Sometimes after a few talks, I feel like beating a dead horse, you know. Because then you th- it's just, it's got to, it has to have that invitations feel. If it's a dissertation, it's going to be turned into knowledge, yeah? But an invitation, what can you turn it to? You can either say yay or nay. Yes? Um, as a normal they were trying to help me to um, have you talk some about how these teachings mix with mix with recovery. Yeah. Especially for people that don't feel their obsession immediately lifted. Well, that would be the question. Who doesn't think their obsession has been lifted? Yeah. Yes? That's always quite helpful. Because in the mental state, you've taken the track away from the mental state. You can't get traction. If you just push it back to who is it, you'll have a whole different feeling, yes? If you take that statement and you try to work on it after it grows and gets traction, it's not going to go anywhere. Who is it that has the obsession, yes? The meaning of the obsession isn't coming from the obsession. It's coming from the one who has the obsession. That's where the weight is. Yes? Just like my friend was here last night, and she's in a lot of pain uh, for a long, long time. And she just needs to hear the message every once in a while, like, who is it that's in the pain? Because the pain's going to be there. It's of the body. Yeah? But the, the addition that the my will put on the pain is really the is really the source of suffering. Yes? Because now a pain you could handle almost any pain today, but if you, if you have a story that you had it yesterday and you're gonna have it tomorrow, it's gonna be a whole lot worse. Yes? The my adds weight to everything. So she's not gonna get out of pain, but she can actually see that it's not her that's suffering. That's going to be helpful. Because then that train of time, everything is somewhat okay unless it goes on for a while. I mean, you can go get If you had a one-day flu, it's pretty manageable. But if it's ten days, it's fucking unbearable. Or, but watch what the mental state does. It will tell you, you have one little weird feeling and it says you're launching into a lifelong depression. If you have believed all those thoughts, you're, you're not of what you are. You're of time. You're living based on time. And time will take something that's not a big deal and make it a mountain. I saw with my family, my brother and sister killed themselves, my older brother and sister. My brother was a big macho guy. And he fell off his roof, painting. And this is only my take on it, because I was observing it. And he broke both his ankles. And uh, so he, it, it set him off on a course of a lot of circumstances that brought him misfortune. Yeah. So he had a lot of operations, and none of them really worked. And then he got addicted to codeine, and he had to get dried out from that. And then I visited him, uh, and he was telling me 
I didn't know it, but he was basically telling me that if this next operation doesn't work, I'm going to kill myself, you know? And so I, it went over my head. I only, it hit me later. And I, uh, and you could see that time had just worn him out, yeah? Time. And that mental state had probably been suggesting this idea for many, many years. And maybe a five years before, he didn't bite. But five years later, he bit, yeah? Because of the, the, the interpretation, this place's effect is usually based in time. That's where the weight is grown. It's sort of like something that's going on and then it gets extended and produces a lot more suffering. Yeah? So he reached a point where he just said, fuck it. Wrote a note, blew his brains out. And my sister went a different direction, but basically the same thing. What could have been easily seen in one day because it went on for years became a giant black wall. Yeah, because this is the belief in time, and self and time are synonymous. Self is going to give meaning and weight to things through time. It's going to pour it on, just like people in recovery. Yeah, the idea in recovery, the idea of surrender in in addiction is fuck it. The mental state will work on you, say it's always going to be this way, it's never going to get better, and if you believe it, it makes total sense to try to get relief right now. And one of the fastest ways to get relief is to get loaded. And you will. yeah, Because we're devoted to the thought system. The thought system has us believing that yesterday and tomorrow is more important than now. We worship at it. We're devotees to it. We're devoted. The first addiction here is the mental state to the idea of being a self. And it shoots up thought all day. That's its drug. It's thought about all day. Ad nauseum. It's shooting up so much fucking thought about itself. It's never going to be what it wants to be. And it's never going to unbecome what it thinks it is. It just goes on and on and on. Yeah? It's fucking slavery. We all have a huge force of mind. There's many forces of mind. And one of them, you can put a name on it called faith. And I don't mean a faith, like uh, a religion, but faith. And a lot of the great masters, like Jesus and stuff, would talk about faith a lot. You know, faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. And people think they want to acquire faith and get faith. But our whole experience here is based on faith. Many of us have tons of... It's not us. There's faith in the thought system. That's what's producing anxiety out of what's not happening. What's not happening cannot produce any harvest or any crop. It's being used, it's driven by faith in thought. So your thoughts are occupied in yesterday and tomorrow, and they're producing effects that some of us would be called effects of fear, but there's no apparent threat. It's all made up. If you don't think you're miracle workers every day, Like Jesus had that miracle where he brought Lazarus from the dead, but at least Lazarus was alive once. We are making shit out of nothing all day and producing effects. 
We're producing crucifixions all fucking day. We are. Watch people. That's faith. Faith in thoughts. Faith in a failed system will produce anxiety. That's what it does. The same exact energy, it puts somewhere else, or directed by some other, or something else, will enrich your day. Exact same energy. There's no difference. All the energy of this place is neutral until it moves through a polarizing event, which is us. Then through us, faith is going to manifest by the vehicle it's put in. If you put it into the failed thought system, you're going to be riddled with anxiety based on what's not happening. And how are you going to deal with an imaginary threat? You're going to be scaring yourself all day. It's like we're getting zapped. We have the physiological effects of fear, but there's no threat. Is this getting zapped all day in the thought system? What if? Ooh, if only, oh, I should have, oh. I mean, it's way too much. It's like you're sitting there, you know, when the, the old days you were supposedly insane and they shocked you. <laughs> they should, we should sort of see signs of scarring here because it's just getting shocked all day. It's like a dog that has manes, they put the bones on. We're just like a satellite dish, picking K-Pole up all day. It's just unbelievable. I see it in addiction. It's unbelievable. We say it in recovery, we manufacture our own misery. Exactly. And the factory is here. If you believe you're the thinker of the thoughts, you're going to be the wedded to the thoughts that you believe you think. It's as simple as that. When you own the thought, the thought has a chance to own you. As soon as it... When you own a feeling, the feeling has a chance to own you. When you own an action, the action has a chance to own you. And it will. You'll be convicted in all the courts of the mental state for what you did or didn't do, what you said or didn't say, what you had or didn't have. There is a solution. And from the solution, there is no problem. It's an activity. It's culmination. It's Continue extension is based on you. If you believe it, so will it be. If you don't, it won't. This is not a passive message. It's hugely powerful. It may not look like you're moving at all, but you're moving at a quite incredible rate. The speed of awakeness is unbelievably fast. Thoughts will come and go, but if they're yours, they start orbiting around a fixed idea of you. Yes? It's like getting wrapped with saran wrap. The first wrap, you can still say you see. The fifth time, it's getting a little milky, so you're just speculating now and assuming. About 12 more, you're just totally into assumption. You have no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> and you're looking for help from other insane inmates. You know? <laughs> and they have maybe even more saran wrap around there. Yeah? 
And the point is, we're being driven crazy by a pair of glasses, but we call them our eyes. So we can never go to the point of entertaining that they can be taken off. Because we're never even feeling around to see if it's true anymore. We just assume that I'm a body. End of story. That the brain is producing consciousness. You know? Just like, you know, my head produces hair. Yes, I'm, I'm producing consciousness. I mean, it's like fucking all, all worship of the body. Now the body is the center of consciousness. It's fucking called self-centeredness. It's arrogance. Thinking, you know, you see those movies, I'm going to go off now. <laughs> you see those movies with, uh, there's a movie with Nicolas Cage, and he's a celestial being. And then he decides he wants to give up his eternal life of bliss to go out with Meg Ryan or something. Yeah? I mean, what fucking celestial being, especially he's going to be divorced three years later if he comes down here anyway. What celestial being would ever go, oh yes, I want to give up this eternal, to come here. Come on, give me a fucking break. You know what I mean? Has anyone who's ever died come back except for Jesus? He had a, he did it to prove a point. No one comes back, do they? <laughs> you think you're at the greatest vacation land. Everyone who leaves never comes back. <laughs> They're gone. You know, like you see the movie, someone's dying, and you know, the other person's holding them and going, you can't do this to me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's going to ruin our sat next Saturday. I'm going to miss the big day. <laughs> you know, it's on the self-centeredness. We're so immersed in it, you have no idea. It's like, it's like the idea of no one complains about gravity. They complain about hills and staircases. They don't even get to the what's really affecting you. And everyone, no, nobody in any cafe in L.A. talked about the effects of gravity there. I guarantee you. Yeah, and then some people will become experts of gravity, and they'll go to college to teach, teach people about gravity. But all you need to know is go into an anti-gravity chamber, and you'll know everything you need to know about gravity by its actions. That's how, from the solution, there is no problem. From the problem, there's a need of a solution. But the, if the solution's entertained, it shows you there is no real thing. It's an activity that you and I are actually in. Question? Yes. Doesn't self-acceptance <coughs> leave you with the same sense of no self? Self oh, self-acceptance of that it's not? <laughs> well, it's, it's this self-acceptance of being whole and complete unto yourself and in need of nothing. So there's nothing, there's no um, self-centeredness involved in it. It's like yeah. it's gone. Because there's nothing that you need. And that what remains is a self, is a self of no self, essentially. Well, it doesn't remain. It's always been the case. So it's not that there's something, there's nothing that has to go for it to be constantly remaining. Right, it's always there. But, yeah. but for there to be a consciousness of it, I guess we should be kind of conscious of consciousness, right? <laughs> there's no requirement for that. To be relieved of the, the thing that is within consciousness as being 
the focus of attention, and instead to be the consciousness itself. But you are the consciousness itself. Right, right. So why do a secondary step? Just go there. a secondary step. That one of, you have to be relieved of something. You don't have to be relieved of anything. And who is it that's getting relieved? Just see it. So, so I'm thinking of it in terms of letting go. I'm thinking, I'm thinking talking about it in terms of there, who's, who, who is holding on. Ah, uh-huh. I don't believe there's anyone holding on to let go. It's a shorter route. <laughs> I would say so, yeah. <laughs> takes no time at all. Everything else is a little intermediary, and the selfing only needs an inch to, to, uh, to proclaim it's a mile long. You want to catch it. Yeah? You want to see it. You don't want to start from it's, it's something. <laughs> Even if it's a small little something. It doesn't. Just see it. You precede everything. Nothing is behind you. All the presupposing stops here, not here. You can never be, nothing can ever be behind nothing. Yes? So what remains? Does love remain? Or is it just you're a witness? Just your consciousness? Love expresses. Nothing remains, it expresses. There's nothing to remain. It's just, all this is verbing. Everything is verbing, verbing, verbing. There's nothing to remain or to show up. Everything is, completely. We bring certain stuff into expression based on the seeming condition we're taking ourselves to be. That's it. There isn't a quantity of expression. It's infinite. Yeah? Everything is verbing. There's nothing that remains or comes... Well, you, you mentioned service, and that 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 is what you you kind of become that, right? Something to that effect. Well, that expression becomes available. You live of of your life is of service. Well, you're of service. Yeah. What what could how could what's present and always available not be of service? Right. And is service the, I've heard it said that service is the action of love. Well, if you want to call it that, I would just, I'd rather be in it than call it anything. <laughs> Seriously. I'd rather not call anything anything. I'd rather just be in things, you know? I mean, I don't have to proclaim what I'm in, I'm in. Usually you proclaim what you want to be in when you seem to be out, in my view. Seriously. I don't feel like I've got to put a name on what's being, because being is more than enough. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you, if you see, that's what I love Ramana's thing about knowing God is being God. Knowing is a real big drop-off from being. <laughs> you know what I mean? It really is. Knowing is a big drop-off from being. Being, knowing takes a little bit of effort and thought, you know, and it also has its its ugly other, you know, other dualistic uh, system, which is not knowing. <laughs> but being, being puts a stop to all that, you know. And I mean, if you really, if we had a, if there was a product, let's say a line of product called knowing, 
and then there was a line of product called being, I bet you you'd buy the being. <laughs> it would be maintaining itself with no thought or effort. There'd be no, like, new subscriptions. It would just be. <laughs> you would have to buy a new model. <laughs> it would be the wise, it would be the wise purchase. <laughs> you wouldn't need any more of it. <laughs> no, you wouldn't need any more of it. And then you can let go of all your knowing. <laughs> Give it to goodwill. <laughs> I don't need to know a damn fucking thing. <laughs> and it would really be light because it would be right where you are at all times. <laughs> you... <laughs> yeah, in the in the uh, in the on the counter of being, there's just mirrors. You see yourself. Oh, I got it. <laughs> it would actually be it would be an emptiness, and you'd see nothing, and then you'd see yourself. Right? It would be so beautiful. It'd be like <laughs> there's nothing in that image. Yeah, you're the. <laughs> So many things would go out of business, really. <laughs> because when the being doesn't seem available, we buy the substitutes. So a lot of people think knowing is the highest level. They want to know the truth. Or they want to experience it. But it's nothing like being. You know, really. I mean, it's, it's, there's no comparison. But here in this marketplace, the being seems to be unavailable. So we basically take a substitute. Yeah? We think, if I know enough, if I do enough, if I get enough stuff, and I have enough experiences, that will do. That will be the best that can happen, because we're not... The possibility doesn't seem available because of the feeling of the one who wants to get the possibility. Yeah? Do you know what I mean? That's all it is. It's, it's a lack of possibility. That's all it is. That's why this message is about is maybe opening up or expanding on an aperture so another possibility is, is affordable. So that maybe when you're worrying about next week, you don't need to go to psychiatry to deal with that. You could just ask a, a simple question. Well, who is it that's worrying about next week? And if you, if you get a hit, it's not you. You're going to lose interest in the worrying about next week because the only reason you're interested in it is it's you. You're not interested in other people worried about next week, are you? No fucking way. You have to see it's purely it's your own sole proprietoriness that gets you interested in the mental product of selfie. That's it. Totally, completely identification as. And it's a verb. It's identification as a self. There is no self to be identified with. It's identification as a self. That's the verbing. That's what the mental state's doing. There is no self to be identified with. There's a verb going on that implies an act of being identified as a self. That's what it is. That's the whole, that's the whole sale program. It doesn't have any product. You make the product up. It can only reach the level of seemingly so. Seemingly so is the bar. It can only appear to be true to what is true. And we are what is true. We are the only reality here. Everything is seemingly to be true to us or not. And we have it in recovery quite a lot. You have that experience. 
People come in and they have this, this one event they think was the worst thing that ever happened to them. They've built an altar to it. It's given them a possibility to excuse other shit that didn't work out in their lives. And there's basically a mental worshipping of this worst thing that ever happened. Then they come in and they get changed through the process of recovery, and suddenly they see the worst thing that ever happened as the best thing that ever happened. Now, what was it? It was neither. It was only the way you saw it was what gave it the meaning. It's always you. It's always us. All roads lead back here. We are reality. We are what we're looking for. The seeker is the sword. You cannot use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You cannot use mind to seek mind. You cannot use light to seek light. Why, why would a master give us that message if we weren't the Buddha, the light, and the mind? Why would it give us a warning that had nothing to do with us? The warning was, we're the Buddha, we're the light, and we're the mind. And it would be insane, if you are that, to be seeking mind, light, and Buddha. If we were anything else, it would have given us a different message. Hoang Po wouldn't have pulled that little sentence out of his lovely divine ass. Yeah? <laughs> he wouldn't. But because we're the Buddha, it's a warning to the Buddha that, hey, Buddha, you can't be looking for the Buddha. You're never going to find the Buddha because of one pertinent fact. You're the Buddha. <laughs> and it would be absurd if you got that you were Buddha to be looking for yourself, wouldn't it? Well, I guess so. Yes. <laughs> the messages are directed to mind to tell mind, hey, mind, you're the seeker. You're, the, you're what's sought. Yeah. What's looking, like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. Once again, why would he say that if we weren't what's looking? It would have been, hey, you and I should join together and look for what's looking. Yeah. But he's saying, no, you can't look for what's looking because what's looking is what you're looking for. Implying you are what's looking. If you weren't, it would have been the other way. Okay, you and I and everyone else should be looking for what's looking. And that could go on for freaking ever, if you are what's looking. But he said, turn it right around. What's looking is what you're looking for. End of, end of scripture. Bing. <laughs> now just draw in the other pages. <laughs> Flowers and birds. Because what's looking is what you're looking for. All these cryptic statements just stop you in the tracks. So what? So something's noticed. Because obviously, you're not noticing the Buddha if you're seeking for the Buddha. The seeking for the Buddha is the greatest way to hide the Buddha nature from the Buddha. So if the seeking can be turned around and you're left with your own devices, hey, Buddha, mind, light, Direct, immediate, no time passing. And when it dawns, it's always been that way. Nothing has ever happened other than that. It all just seemed to be going on, but nothing went on. Nothing went on sufficiently able to change what you are, ever.
direct and immediate. If it doesn't have the quality of timelessness, it's not on to it. You cannot, like a great Zen master said, you cannot use activity to produce stillness. That would be activity. You cannot use, use time to find timelessness. That would be time. These are simple warnings. Like if this was, you know, like in cigarettes, they have the package and they put a warning on it. Every spiritual book should have this warning on it. You know? There's, hey, before you buy this book, reckon with this. Is there a presupposing of a non-existent thing? Buying this book. That wants to get salvation for the non-existent thing? By reading this book. Yeah. And then if you don't get it, there'll be another statement. Hey, if your spiritual practices themselves, woo, yes, are actually reinforcing the non-existent thing, how can they destroy it? <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do with that? Except relent. Let it roll over you. A great master just set you free because there's no need to be set free. He just pointed out the clarity of all clarities. The first conception in the mental state is a non-existent thing. And then it starts seeking to get whatever that thing needs or thinks it needs for the non-existent thing. And your practices themselves, the spiritual ones, will be actually being used to reinforce the non-existent thing, and therefore how can they destroy the non-existent thing? And also, how could you destroy a non-existent thing? Because it's non-existing already. Doesn't that put a stop to something? And what, what's the appropriate response? Rest. You, you are what you're looking for. You found it by seeing what you're not. That's the only way it's going to come to you, is by seeing what you're not. And where we don't have eyes, these masters give us eyes, at least temporarily, so our eye can wake up. It doesn't take 800 pages. It can take a sentence. Is it possible for what's looking to be of different qualities... (laughs) of course based on the lens it's moving through yes but it's undifferentiated light period if it moves through this kaleidoscopic event then it can get differentiated then there's degrees and qualities but the undifferentiated is, is in every one of those qualities and degrees and the undifferentiated is not capable of it's not possible for it to have different qualities no no it's undifferentiated undifferentiated. Yes. We are like a kaleidoscope, just like it says. The observed, the observation distorts the observed. That's what it's like. Yes? So light, let's say, moves through these refractive lenses, and then we seem to see a world. And in this world there's degrees. Big and small, close and far, so quality, less quality. HD, pretty dull and not clear. Yes? But undifferentiated light is undifferentiated light. It has no quality other than light. So it's not possible for it to have have different levels of quality. I don't know, but I'm saying my sense, I don't think it's possible. Because it doesn't, in a sense, the only quality it is, is what we would call light. Yeah? Yeah. 
Here, here, things seem to have degrees in distance and big size, small size, clearer, less clearer. But ofness has nothing to do with any of that. It is what it is. Like it's Popeye. You know? I am what I am, what I am. Is it possible that the ofness is of something? No. Of course, it's possible to you, maybe, but <laughs> I got a feeling that it's going to have more questions coming. So, not <laughs> its possibility. For my sense, no. I don't do much investigation. I just rest in it. I don't do that. It's just being. What can I do? I haven't had a thought about it ever. <laughs> I have no proclamations ever. <laughs> I'm not going around saying I'm this or that. There's no need to do anything. Once, you know, what if you were enjoying the water? Why would you stick your head out of it? <laughs> I'm reminded of the story of the the. The novices that are meditating and they're reaching these certain states where they say there's no farther to go, and the Zen master hits them with a stick and says, "Go higher, go higher." Well, I'd hit him with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, you go higher. <laughs> I want to go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you yes. seem to have some reverence for Ramana. Yes. Can you say a little more about that? I have reverence for Ramana. <laughs> I read him, you know, I was in India, I read uh, uh, teachings of Ramana, and that had a, yeah. I went to where he lived and everything. Yeah. I like his, um, he's very, very uh, inclusive. He doesn't, he, he responds to the situation at hand. Yeah? So if someone's house is on fire, he tells them where a pail of water is. Yeah? If someone else is open, he'll tell them there is no one there. You know what I mean? He wasn't dogmatically stuck. You ever see him a picture? There's a great picture of him with Paramahansa Yogananda. And Paramahansa Yogananda looks like this great dude, and all his friends are looking, and Ramana's looking the other way, like, when the fuck is this going to be over? Hanging like this. I can't wait for them to leave. I like that attitude. Yeah, you know those books you read that really triggered something, like an avalanche in there? Of course you're going to have gratitude. Yeah? You know, Ramana, Nizagadada Maharaj. I like Hoang Po a lot. He's my favorite, probably. He's very direct, and he also has one of the greatest descriptions you could have of mind in the teachings of Hoang Po. As close as you can get. It's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, expression of it in words. And I like Hoang Po a lot because the guy, uh, the guy who wrote it, you know, listening to him, was a scribe of the emperor's court, so... He wrote it the day he said it. It's not like 300 years later. He was there at the talks, and then he wrote what he heard, and that was his job for the Chinese emperor's court, was writing. So it's a pretty much as close as you can get from the horse's mouth. 
which I really like. Because, you know, 200 years, a lot can happen. You know what I mean? People, I think he said this, whatever. You know what I mean? I, I remember him wearing an orange something, whatever. You know, he can go way, way. So, but how I impose has a very, I have a lot of sense feltness for that stuff. That guy. I like old Zen, early Zen, Chan. I don't like the Japanese Zen. I like Chinese Zen. They call it Chan. Because they weren't doing seishins and all these practices. They were just enjoying relaxed awakeness. Yeah. yeah, they didn't go on huge meditation things, I don't believe. They didn't. They just roamed around, you know. Yeah, so. Yes? Hey, Paul. Hey. Um, here's my mental blank spot on my kids. Hmm. I can. I really can, I'll feel good, whatever, but one of my kids calls me and says, you know, I broke up with a boyfriend or a roommate or whatever. I just, I just contract, I can't, you know. Well, you don't, but yes, the head does. The head does, for sure, because they're your kids. These are my kids. And there's a biological connection that has a lot of meaning. Yeah. Yeah, so you see them differently than any other kid. Yeah, that's true. Like, my friends call about their kids, I'm not as... Yes, exactly. That's like the package deal. That's yeah. your seat assignment. I know, it's funny because I always say, like, it seems like most gurus don't have children. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. Yes, I have never had any kids, so I don't know what it's like, so I, can, I never talk on experience about it. Right. But I know I can see it, and there's a huge bond. bond right. Yeah. But that also opens up to you to a lot of love and stuff. So again, this is a dualistic thing, so quote-unquote good and bad come in the same package. Yes? In the moment, in the, in the present, there can be seemingly negative things arising. Like you talk a lot about, think, you know, we're worried about what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow, but what about in this very moment when, you know, the shit hits the but it isn't right now. So enjoy that. True. See? Like some people come to talks and they will say, oh, I can really feel the light and this and that. And then suddenly they pledge allegiance to time. They go, well, what about Tuesday? What am I, am I going to feel it on Tuesday? And you can just see it. We're just devotees. Yeah? Yeah? In other words, it's not enough just to be chilled out now. We want to bring up a hypothetical to make it worse here. <laughs> Something, you know? Yeah. It's just a, it's like a, it's, it's a pledging, the mental state's constantly pledging allegiance to itself. Yes? We're really... We're constantly trying to hold on to the chill. Hmm? I'm trying to hold on to the chill feeling. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes, yeah. But you're not. See, that's the good news. If you really wouldn't care that much if someone was try- else was trying to hold on to the chill feeling, you got to see it's only because of you that it has so much importance. So instead of trying to limit the importance, just see if there's a you. If there ain't a you, then you have a... It's, a, it's like a leavening agent, and it's going to demonstrate as a life being traveled lighter. You just won't be taking yourself so seriously. That's what will happen. I mean, literally. And... It doesn't promise the geography of whatever your destiny is going to change, but you'll travel lighter with whatever happens. And what more do you really want, really? I mean, if you felt okay, you know, content, and you had an ease and comfort in your skin, 
it's not yours but the skin and in your circumstances situations I you know all your ideas about enlightenment and stuff would drop because that you'd have what you were looking for a sense of contentment and a possibility of peace yeah we really don't we're shooting for the stars when we really just want you know just the travel lighter basically I find it's like when I first got sober. It was funny. I go. Through, I had this huge feeling going on. I was thinking it was like a spiritual crisis, and all I needed was a bologna sandwich. You know, I had it, my blood sugar had gone down. As soon as I ate, it was all fine. You know what I mean? We're we're mistaking so many things. Our diagnosis is way off constantly. Yeah. If you're if you were just okay now, you'd probably be more than enough. Really. And to me, one of the greatest reliefs I got was the need to be liberated was removed. I lost interest in the need to be liberated. What needs to be liberated isn't me. I could care less about it. Yeah? And actually, the best way to get out of here is truly be here. And how you realize you truly be here is realize you can never not be anywhere else. This is it. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. That's the true transcendence. The true transcendence of an imaginary place is to completely be there. <laughs> and then things are revealed. As long as you're trying to get out of it, it's going to seem as if, as if it's real. Once you real, you just let it be, you'll realize it's not so. We're so afraid of things being real, we make them more real by trying to make them unreal. When we allow them to be as real as they want to be, they reveal their nature. They're not real. You're the only reality there is. Completely. Yes. On your book, you have a hummingbird. How do you come about having a hummingbird on your book? Well, I like hummingbirds, but I had nothing to do with that. I had nothing to do with the book, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Someone else did. He took transcriptions of talks and put it together. I edited it, but I didn't choose to cover anything. I liked it, though. A guy I knew did it. A guy who had been in prison for 30-something years, where I live. He got sober in San Quentin. And then he, one day I was there, because he was living at the house I was living in, he decided to start taking pictures. And now he's like a big nature photographer. Because they used to call him Walking Don, because he walks, he used to walk across the country. Just walk, like, really, all across, back and forth. And then uh, now he just hangs out and, and just, and he sells the pictures. And so, the, the guy who helped with the book got that picture and put it on. Yeah, that's how it happens. But I like hummingbirds, and I like little bees, too. It's a bee, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're some of my favorite things. Bees are great, eh? Yeah. Yes. Any other personal questions? <laughs> I like the color green, and uh, I'm Aquarian. I think in Chinese, I'm a water dragon. Yeah, so I'll drown you. <laughs> no. Hey, I want to thank you, everybody. That's it, right? Yes. Hey, thank you for having me. I really and I want to thank uh, some people: Tommy, Kyle, Steve, Johnny. They're not here, some of them now, but without them, this wouldn't happen. So I would. Uh, really, yes. And, uh, and listen, uh, if you get a chance to put a sign on for, or go to websites and Bishlap, because we now have an email list, 
and we will try to stay in touch. You know, and you can unsubscribe at any time. There's no problem. But we we have a lot of trouble with our group because a lot of people don't know what we're doing because we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> so we we're trying to organize better, and we need everyone's help. So, and we have an email list here because we come back to LA a lot. And uh, and if you want to have a meeting somewhere around here, just ask me, and if you set it up, we'll go. And yeah, just. It's a pleasure, so. All right, thank you. Thank you. Oh. Oh, yeah.